Does the current political banter sound like an old record to you? This is the True Disciples Podcast, where everything you know about Reformation is about to get a radical makeover in the power of the Holy Spirit. Your True Disciples host is Dr. Kevin Baird, Senior Pastor of Legacy Church in Charleston, South Carolina. And now, the True Disciples Podcast. Welcome back to the True Disciples Podcast for episode 17 of the Reformation Archive. We continue with our current sermon series titled House Hunter that Dr. Kevin Baird is bringing to Legacy Church as it is a message the entire American church needs to hear. So let's begin with part two of To Be or Not To Be. That really is the question. To be, what does it mean to, have you ever thought about what does it mean to be, and you put your last name in there. What does it mean to be this? Does it mean anything? Is there, is there any nobility to it? Is there any... Is, is there any uh, 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 respect, affirmation, reverence? Put your last name there. What does it mean to be? Or are you just one of the huddled masses? It doesn't mean anything to be whatever your last name is. I'm sorry. I'm born again. I have a destiny. God's hand wants to work in my life and in my family tree. That's important to me. And to be in this family tree means something. It's like what it means to be in the church. Amen. What does that mean to be in the church? What does it mean to be? We never ask these questions. And it's not, again, it's not just defaulting into, well, you do certain things, because again, that's performance. But by nature, it means several things. In fact, I don't believe you can do properly until you settle your nature and who you are. I can't be a man until I settle the fact that I'm a man. If I'm confused about being a man, how many of you know I'm probably not gonna act like a man? Isn't that deep? I mean, it's just, that's like, like you, can't, you can't get this in, you'll pay, you'll pay thousands of dollars in a biology class in college and get something totally different than I just said there, and that won't be truth. This is truth. What does it mean to be a female? If you don't, if you don't nail down what it means to be a female, then, then I'll guarantee you what comes out of your life by way of action and activity will always be crazy. I mean, I'm sorry, if you're a guy running around in women's underwear... That's not normal. I mean, I don't know how else to say it. Right now, we, we, I mean, people are kind of saying, I'm not going to judge them. I'll judge them. It's not as crazy. A man to wear women's underwear is just flat crazy. As well as biblical, it says don't do that. I mean, it got, I mean this is funny. God even put it in his, in his word. He said it, which is really remarkable because he knew someday we'd be confused on that point. Isn't that wild? That God looked and said, don't, men don't wear women's clothing. And the reason he said it is because he saw this day when everybody want to run around and a man is going to want to run around in a woman's wedding dress as he marries another man. Now, and, and, and I know I'm saying it out loud. It's like you said that out loud in this culture. Well, someone needs to say it out loud. It's crazy because we've not nailed down what it means to be. To be. What does it mean to be the church? Is it just getting you in a room and preaching some really nice verse that gets you all zipped up and inspirational, tell you that God wants you to be rich and prosperous and you'll never have a problem your whole life and, you know, just stay on the train. And I mean, what, what does it mean to be a church? We don't know what it means to be a church because we are cloaking ourselves in things that are worldly. 
and not attaching ourselves to those things that are orthodox and what God has said. It's not that everything's wrong or evil. And if you can't parse this, it probably will be hard too. I'm not against having, having activities or things. I'm not against that. Who would be against that? There's a lot of great things you can do as the family of God. I'm simply saying, but that doing, the doing is what is speaking and it's screwing up our identity. So what does it mean to be. What does it mean to be the church? Who are we by nature? All right. Now this is where we're going to get into some scripture. There are, there are four aspects to our corporate nature of what it means to be a church. This isn't about what it means to be. I probably need to preach a message sometime on what it means to be a man and what it means to be a woman because we're confused. But right now I'm going to talk about what it means to be a church. Four aspects to our corporate nature. What are we to be? What is our identity? Number one is this. What does it mean to be? The first to be is this. We are militant. Isn't that a wild word to throw out there as the church? You would think there'd be another word. We're to be militant, and we've lost this aspect of militancy. The church isn't militant. We are milk toast. We get walked on. We're the doormat. Maybe the reason, I think this is one of the reasons, and God bless all you ladies, and I want to just affirm the women. In fact, I want to affirm the women all through the ages because there's been many a church that has kept its doors open on the, on the, on the prayers and the faithfulness of faithful women. I have seen this for years. So God bless all the spiritual godly women who have hung tough and they've kept churches going and, and we appreciate you. But I'm telling you, one of the reasons that we've lost men is because we've lost militancy. We've almost feminized the church to such a place where Jesus, even Jesus is suspect as to what he really is. Militancy. This is what men are. This is what men need is a little militancy. Let me just read some scripture to you, okay? Hang on, we're going to read through some scripture. This is going to be a lot. I know we're reading Bible right now, and that doesn't usually happen in church life, but we're going to read a little Bible. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers what? Violence. And the what? Violent. Take it by? That's Jesus. Jesus says there's a violence to this thing. Come on, we're going to keep going. Romans 16, 20, the God of peace will crush Satan where? Under your feet shortly. That's militant, man. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 4, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not what? War, War according to the flesh. In other words, you don't slap somebody up the side of the head. You, 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 you enter into a, a spiritual militancy, a battle, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. Put on the whole armor of God, he says, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. This meaning Jesus. After Jesus rose, it, this is what Paul writes, he disarmed principalities and powers. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. 
In other words, he was like a conquering hero in ancient Rome who had bound up his enemies and was dragging them behind his carriage. Jesus said, I just whooped these guys. Then in the Revelation, if you want to know what Jesus is up to now, this is what Jesus is getting ready to do. It says, now I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse and he who sat on him was called faithful and true. This is Jesus. And in righteousness he judges and what makes? His eyes were like a flame of fire and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies of heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that with it he should, what? Strike the nations. And he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name that is written, King of kings and Lord of lords. He's like a Harley rider, tattooed, coming into town, ready to whoop. There's a militancy to who we are as the church. Now hear me, we love people, but we love in the same way a soldier loves his country. And he fights for his country. I'm always reminded that Israel is, is kind of like an Old Testament shadow of the church. And do you realize that when Israel was going into the promised land, you can look this up, I didn't post it on the screen, in Deuteronomy chapter seven, some of the most amazing words come in those first two verses of Deuteronomy chapter seven. It, God says this, he says, when you go into the land and you go and you fight the giants and the inhabitants of the land, you will go in and you will utterly destroy them and you will show them no mercy. That was Jesus. Because we believe God's three in one, right? And he's always been. So Jesus was a part of that quotation. I don't know about you. That's a little militant. There's a militancy. The church isn't holding the fort. We're storming hell's gates to destroy Satan's forts. Militant. To be. To, what does it mean to be the church? There's something militant inside of us. Not milk toasty. Militant. We're aggressive. We're on the move. We have the full authority of heaven behind us. Number two, that was just number one. I'm going to give you four things real quick. Victorious. Victorious. Matthew 16, 18. Remember when Jesus said, I say to you, Peter, that on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades or the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We may not win every battle, but we are victorious. We will win the war. There may be moments even in your life. You may have to retreat for a moment, but you're eventually going to win the war. Everything uh, is standing behind the church that God has in order for us to be victorious. We preach a victorious gospel. The nature of the church and the nature of the gospel is to prevail. I don't believe Jesus loses. I just don't. I don't believe anything he has or owns loses. We win. Let me tell you why we win. There are three crucial tools to this. Why do we win? Because we've been given keys or authority of the kingdom. 
all of us have keys that we can, we can implement in order to appropriate the power of the kingdom. Secondly, within those keys, it says that we can bind opposing power and we can bind his promise to our life. Thirdly, we can loose ourselves from oppression and then we can loose the victory into situations. We are victorious because we have tools that we've been given as the church. This is the do part, but the do part doesn't do us any good until we understand that we are to be. I'm victorious. I'm not a doormat. I mean, I mean people, people can, and they have, they've called me everything imaginable. It doesn't matter what they think. I'm still victorious. This is really the great thing. It's, it's the silent smirk that you can always give in every situation. When somebody's going after you, you can just say this under your breath. I'm still going to win. The church. The church. We are victorious because of his resources. I'm hurrying now. Number three. What are we to be? Our nature is to be united. United. I'm, I'm not giving you all the things we do. This is our nature. Nature is militancy. Our nature is victorious. And our nature is united. John 17, Jesus was praying. He said, now I'm no longer in the world, but these, meaning the disciples, are in the world. And I come to you, Holy Father. Keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are. Unity. He goes on. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Now he's praying for you and me. That they all may be what? As you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me and the glory which you gave me I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one. The early church had what it had happened was because they were of one accord, they were of one heart, and they were of one mind. Unity. There was a united spirit in their midst. And let me just, because people always ask, then uh, how, how, do we, how do we unite? Because you can't unite with everybody. You have to yoke with the right people. But, but our unity is based in the exclusivity of Jesus. In other words, we believe Jesus is the only way to heaven. That's his name. There is no other name given among men by which we must be saved other than the name of Jesus. So there's the exclusivity. If somebody thinks there's another pathway, I can't yoke with that because that's not Bible. Number two, the authority of the scripture. How do we decide these things? His word. His word. That's the basis of my unity. If we can't agree that his word is going to direct us, then there's no basis of yoking or unity. Number three, the commitment, I believe, to his glory. In other words, I'm not here for me. We're here to make his name great. And then finally, the manifestation of love, which is his nature. How do they know us? They will know we are Christians by our, by our love. But it's not milquetoast love. It's love that's based in truth. Unity, that's what it means to be the church, to be, to be one. It's not always to divide. And then finally, I want to put number four is this, is glorious. What does it mean to be the church? It means to be glorious. It means our nature is to reflect his nature. So how does this look? It means we are sanctified. That word sanctified means that you and I as a part of the church and as we are the church means that we are set apart. That's what sanctified means. We are set apart for his special work. We're not set apart for your world or in your work. We're set apart for his work. 
We are sanctified. We've been cleansed. In other words, because of the atonement, his blood has washed us, forgiven us. We've been cleansed. There's this freedom from sin. The church is not the entity that looks at you and says, hey, we're all sinners, so let's just get that fact in us and let's just go out and live that way. It's the only doctrine all of us live up to is the doctrine of depravity. Yes, we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. But here's the good news. The cleansing work of God, the grace of God which empowers us to live victoriously is what the church is all about. That's, what, that's who we are. It's not just what we do, it's who we are. There's a standard that exists within the life of the church. We, we, we exist you're not, you know, you Christians, you're different. There's just something different about you. The way you conduct yourselves, the way you, the, the, the way you live life, your optimism, your spirit, the way you view things, the way you talk. There's all of these things. That's what it means to be the church. The church in the world is not to reflect the world so they can identify with us. We're to reflect Christ so they might want us. And then finally, zealous. Do you think pastor's zealous today? Do you know what zealous looks like? Have you ever been zealous? When's the last time? I'm not telling you just to manufacture it. But if you think you've lost your zeal, then maybe we ought to get on our knees and say, God, renew your zeal in me. Renew the zeal of the Lord that I might hunger and I might thirst and I might pursue to be the church. That's what it means to be the church. See, you got to have this. Once we get to the mission, this is going to be real important because the mission will burn you out if you don't have zeal. And, and that zeal doesn't come from on high. You'll be burned smack out. Yes, if it doesn't come from on high. So I'll end with this. It's simply this. The new phrase I want us all to say is this. Absolutely go to church. <laughs> and be the church. We're to be the church, but we aren't being the church just because you skip service. We gather because we have to. We gather to worship God. We gather, it's his command. We gather because we honor him. We gather because this is the, this is the camp that I need to get some more tools and understanding so I can go be the church. This is, this is why this is so important. Because otherwise, all that happens is we find a way to either tickle you or kind of goose you and say, I hope they stay excited enough about what happened in our meeting so they'll come back next week for the meeting. Because if it didn't have enough excitement, they'll probably go somewhere where there's more excitement. But you aren't being the church. You're being something else. Thank you again for tuning in to the True Disciples Podcast. Please be sure to subscribe for future updates and to catch up on past episodes. You can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, and TuneIn. You can also reach out to us with questions or feedback at truedisciplespodcast at gmail.com. And as always, between now and next time, we encourage you to go out and make his name great.